Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, the city is getting hotter. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, we're about two and a half degrees warmer here in Pittsburgh than we were about a decade ago. So what does that mean for local growers? Today, we're with a friend of the pod and an expert in garden design to find out. It's Monday, February 26th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. I'm with Meg Graham. She's the owner of Mayapple Gardening here in Pittsburgh. I know you work on native habitat and garden design, so many fun things. The last time you were here, you schooled me on composting. So I am very excited about what we're going to learn today. It's good to see you again. It's nice to see you too. Thanks for having me back. Of course. I want to talk about this temperature change. So the USDA has this thing called a plant hardiness map. It divides the U.S. in these horizontal zones every 5 to 10 degrees. And Pittsburgh has always lived in this kind of middle space between a couple zones. As a gardener, what do you see when you look at this thing? So you're what you're supposed to see from there is... What can I plant that is going to make it through our winter? And so that's what the hardiness refers to is how hardy is a plant is how cold of a temperature can it live through in the wintertime? So when I'm seeing something that says it can grow in a uh, 5A winter I know that it'll definitely make it through a Pittsburgh winter. But if I was looking at a plant that I had my heart set on, but it was classified at like a eight, a zone eight, I know that I couldn't grow that in Pittsburgh because my winters are too cold for that plant to survive. So the numbers go up as you go south. Is it based strictly on winter or do you have kind of the reverse finding too, where, you know, like if it's maybe a plant that's native to Florida, are we warm enough to be able to grow that plant too? I wouldn't say we're at that point, no. But what you have seen is this shift where we can grow plants that maybe are, you know, a state or two south of us, depending on the elevation in that state. Mm -hmm. So now we're seeing that we can get some plants through the winter that are native to North Carolina and West Virginia and Maryland, like maybe some things that were on the cusp before they aren't anymore. How detailed does the map 
get? Like, can we see differences, like even based on where you are, maybe in Western Pennsylvania, could it be different from Butler County to Washington County? You'll see that and, and, but you'll see even more detail. Like you can get the difference between Lawrenceville and my neighborhood of Garfield, you know? Really? Is is there really a difference between what you can grow from so close like that? Oh yeah. Because Garfield is zoned at a 6B and a lot of some of these like places that aren't down by the water, we're still in a 6B. But then thing areas that are closer to the river valley and down lower, they're in a solid seven now. And I mean, I, but I've been seeing that for years. You know, the map only gets updated every 10 years. So we've been observing that Lawrenceville was a zone seven years ago, you know. So when I was looking at it recently, I saw that in Garfield, the temperature difference was three degrees. But in Lawrenceville, the temperature difference was four degrees. Whoa. Yeah. It's really impressive. And and this is because they have many, many more weather stations participating in the data collection that informs this live map, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it really is comprehensive. Yeah. I mean, particularly for native plants, how are they faring with these changes um, to our region? You know, this is one of many things that's now making it hard for native plants. So we have, you know, the warming temperatures. We have a a change in how water is falling. So our precipitation might be the same. But now instead of it coming down evenly and slowly, it's coming down more intensely in spurts. So we're getting a lot more water runoff. That combined with the warm temperatures and, you know, plant diseases or insects coming in from uh, the nursery trades across the globe, those layers are all making it difficult. So our state tree, the Canadian hemlock, this beautiful tree that everyone knows and loves, it is having a horrible time right now. And it's, you know, it's just the warming temperatures. It's just one thing of many that's happening with the the global warming, the climate change and, you know, the global world we live in now. Like I haven't put a hemlock in a planting design for some years now because it didn't seem like a good choice to be making because of all of the things that that plant would be fighting against. So I'm going to be choosing something that isn't being, you know, affected by drought and by hot summers and by foreign insects, you know? Well, I was wondering about that, like if this is changing how you plant the spaces that you're involved in. Yeah, it is. I think I choose plants now. I used to say, I used to look at a plant hardiness zone classification and I would say, oh, if it's the same exact zone as where I live, that's what I'm going to choose. But now Mm -hmm. I choose a plant that would live anywhere from a zone six to maybe a zone eight. And I'm just making that window bigger so that I know that this plant has a better potential to survive a wider array of climate, you know, that it may it may have a really cold winter because we do still get cold snaps, you know, so -hmm. you don't necessarily want to start planting plants that aren't cold hardy, you know, Um, but then you also want a plant that can really survive a drought, 
or survive a, a more intense, hotter, warmer summer. Do you like to dance, look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Well, so let's talk about how people can kind of plan for that. Say you're starting from scratch, a brand new space um, could be quite small or or larger. What kinds of trees and shrubs, we'll start there, um, would still do well around Pittsburgh that you would recommend? Well, you know, oak trees are always great. And I think that they would still do well. I mean, we do have some trouble with some oak wilt, but I wouldn't say don't plant an oak because of that. We're still doing fine with a lot of our understory trees, dogwoods, magnolias, red buds, things like that. But the biggest thing I would say now is that for new plantings and established plantings, you really want to watch out and water. Watering is just so big now, you know, and we need to water for a longer period of time when we're establishing plants. And then when we get into these weird hot springs or droughty summers. We have to water even our old trees now to keep them going. Usually I hear that about new growth, but I don't hear that I need to water, you know, an established 20, 30 year old tree all that often. Yeah, you don't hear that, but we're starting to lose them because we're not getting the kind of rainfall that we used to get. Yeah. Um, Are there any, you know, herbs, fruits, veggies, anything like that that you recommend that at least for this hardiness question? Mm. Which category are we doing? Vegetables, herbs, perennials? (laughs) (laughs) You get one of each. Quick answer. (laughs) Um, I would say I love, you know, now that we're having longer, warmer seasons, the loofah gourd vine is really fun. Um, You can grow your own loofah sponges with the loofah gourd vine. And that is an annual. And that, I think, takes like, oh, something crazy, like 100 and 
plus days to maturity. So you do still have to start it inside advanced of our spring thaw. But with our extended fall, I'm sure you would easily get some sponges at the end of the year. For herbs, you know, I love rosemary. And I say, why not see if you can tuck it into a hot corner of your garden and get it to make it through a few winters? And, you know, there's so many cool herbs to grow, but I do love Le Petit Gris Cantaloupe. Um, It's a nice French heirloom variety that's sweet and small. So you can trellis it up a vine if you need to. Two vines already. Okay. Um, (laughs) And for vegetables, of course, perennials, I think are cool. So I feel like if people are up to a challenge, you know, think about a perennial asparagus patch and what you might need for that. I know that they kind of tend to like, if you have like a wet area, that might be a good plant for a perennial area. And asparagus are just so fun to grow because they look alien coming out of yeah, the ground. Yeah, they're cool. And how special if you have the opportunity to grow a perennial vegetable because you have a space you can be in for a while. It's a fun one. It's gratifying. And in terms of perennial plants, you know, that's my f- native perennial plants. That's where my real love is. That's how I dove into all of this. So it's pretty hard for me to choose <laughs> something. Um, I'll go first. Cat mint is my favorite. That's I really like it. It blooms all year long and the bees love it. That is a good one. And you can cut that back and get two blooms in a season from it. That's um, a new tip. I haven't yeah. heard that. There's a lot of perennial plants out there that you can cut back and get another bloom out of. But okay, so my favorite perennial plant, mm-hmm. the orange milkweed, the Asclepius uh, tuberosa. I absolutely love it, but it's a little finicky. So I think of that as kind of a fun challenge. They're very delicate. They like they have a fun personality when the wind hits them. And they don't like rich soil. So, you know, you you might have a flop if you put it in a nice, rich garden bed. They like a little stress. They want a little stress. And then for shrubs, I I love the the substitute for boxwood, Ilex glabra, inkberry holly, but it's also a tough one to grow. Um, it's a challenge, <laughs> um, but an easy one that like I think would be great for people because we have so much deer around here is spice bush, and it's something that grows in the shade. So that's a good shrub, and that would do well with our changing climate. And then when it comes to trees, I had mentioned the oak and then maybe something in between that could be fun, be like a sweet bay magnolia or a red Mm. bud. You know, those things, they grow south of us. So again, turning to inspiration for just south of us, if you're looking for plants, it's a good idea. Yeah, um, I know Tree Pittsburgh, for example, does a lot of tree giveaways and things like that. And of course, sales um, throughout the course of the year. So especially for some of these tree varietals, I know I've seen them on their listings before. They're a lovely resource. Everybody should go to their plant sale. They grow everything from seeds gathered wildly around Pittsburgh and the southwestern Pennsylvania region. It's just a great place to support. Yeah. Are there any other resources around town that you would recommend to folks? Your own classes, of course, I think, at uh, Phipps Conservatory? Yeah, I teach some gardening classes in the Ecological Sustainable Program there. And I teach 
through their accreditation program as well, their sustainable land care accreditation program. And then you can also find recommendations uh, for different resources I have listed on my website at mayapplegardening.com. And I do also pause for all of our local nurseries. Um, We really love to keep them in business. We've got Cavasini's in Lawrenceville, Michael Brothers just up north on 28, Chapin's in the South Hills, Plumline Nursery out in Plum, a lot of great places to buy plants from. And I'm not even doing justice. Shadyside Nursery in the city, um, you know, a lot of places to go. And there's so many great people who are growing native plants who are starting nurseries. I'll call out to Bonesetter, Phyto Bello, Arcadia Natives, uh, and one more that I would recommend uh, based in Hazelwood is Rust Belt Natives. That's awesome. Well, and if folks want to get in touch with you, maybe have any follow-up questions, um, would you, are you okay with that? And if so, where can they find you? Yeah, I'd be happy to answer some questions. I'll do the best I can as we get busier and closer to the spring, of course. But you can find me at mayapplegardening on Instagram, mayapplegardening.com, and mayapplegardening at Gmail. Meg, uh, thank you so much once again for sharing your wisdom. I hope you have a wonderful growing season. Oh, thank you. I hope everyone does as well. And you too. Thank you. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you feel like you missed out on anything Meg said or any of her suggestions, definitely make sure you are subscribed to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. Editor Francesca DeBecco will have all of it rounded up and in one place so you can check it all out whenever you need to. And reminder, you can always find everything we make at pittsburgh.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon. Um, it's been, it's been quite a year, been quite a fun 365.